If you grab your Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Sunday school got a little preview of this. I blame PJ. It's all PJ's fault. So, you know, they got a... They got a little preview of this morning's sermon, but how many of us in the room this morning have a desire, have a desire to want to grow spiritually? All right? Okay. We've got majority in the room, right? And I would venture, and like I said, I would venture to say that everyone in the room has a desire to want to grow spiritually. In fact, Barna just did some research, Barna Research Group. They did, a, they did a survey in October of 2022, and Barna survey found that U.S. adults, three out of four, 74%, say that they want to grow spiritually. And additionally, that same proportion, 77%, say that they believe in a higher power. And nearly 44% say that they are more open to God today than they were pre-pandemic. But here's where I believe that the survey falls short. What is presented is a wide array of information. Because the majority of people in America are open to the idea of spirituality. For, uh, and for the average um, churchgoer, I think that that was probably sufficient. But if you look at God's word, God's word demands so much more for those who claim Christ. So if we went out and we polled everyone in Cedarvale today, I believe that 99% of people in Cedarvale would all say, yes, I believe in God. But... Does the lifestyle back up what they say they believe? Because when you look at God's word in Psalm chapter 1, you read this first psalm and you read the first two verses, there's a completely different setup here for those who claim Christ. So Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man, or happy, or content. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. And so I think what we need to do in order to see this text, is to, in order to get the full context of it, we have to see what happened right before Psalms chapter 1, which is Job chapter 42. So just a couple of pages back on, mine just one page back, Psalm 1, Job 42. These are, these are connected. These two ideas are connected in here. and We have to see it in its full context. Job, if you know the story of Job, Job was a righteous man. He was found to be righteous. And Satan knew it. God knew it. His family knew it. His town knew it, that he was a righteous man. And he had a desire to do what God wanted him to do. And Satan came, and remember, came to God and said, Listen, the only reason Job is good, and the only reason, God, or the only reason Job worships you, God, is because you've been so good to him. Of course, I'd worship you too if you gave me a nice house, some land, good kids, 
and you gave me all the things, I'd, I'd worship you too. God says, okay, take it all away. You could do anything you want to Job, but kill him. Let's watch. And you know the story. Job's houses are destroyed within just a couple of chapters. And his entire world falls apart. His house gets destroyed. His cows die. His livestock die. His kids die. The only thing that was left, you know what Satan left him? His wife. And his wife comes out and it's just an amazing pillar of support. Says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Love you too, sweetheart. And then he has this interaction in the text where he wants to know why. He has a legitimate question. Why, God, did you do this? And God shows up and starts to say, hey, where were you when I made the world? Where were you at the foundations of creation? And he says, I'll just be quiet and sit down. Job has a completely different mindset. But Job was faithful to follow Jesus even when it was difficult, even when it was rough. And the last couple of verses in Job 42 says, and after this, after all the trials, after all the circumstances, after all the bad stuff, Job lived 140 years and he saw his sons and his son's sons Four generations, and Job died an old man and full of days. And then you flip the, the, the page to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of sinners, nor is in the seat of the scoffer. This is connected. This is what Job was. Job was a man who followed the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did not, he did not, Follow after the things of the world. This is the, this is the exact same thing you see. Job was a man who pleased God. He walked with God. He was found to be righteous. Why? Because he did not partake in wickedness. Now his friends, hey, are you doing, you got a secret sin somewhere? God, God coming after you? No. No, I don't have a secret sin. I, I've, I don't know what's going on. And God reveals to why, why it happens. But he did not partake in wickedness. He avoided fo- fellowship with these things. He avoided following the things of the world. He did not walk in, stand with, or sit with the wicked. In fact, he was known to be a righteous man in the town. And because of that, the idea of that, text comes into play in psalms chapter one this means the man who does this will be full of days the man who does this will be full of lasting satisfaction he will die a truly content or happy man so blessed or happy is the man who does not partake in wickedness amen this is the this is the idea of the text Job was a man who was righteous, who pursued righteousness. And because of this, blessed is he who does not partake in these things. We live in a weird church-slash-Christian culture that attempts to somehow make some type of peace with the wickedness of the world around us under the appearances of being tolerant or not wanting to hurt someone's feelings. And this is something that is desperately needed. 
what we need as human beings when it comes to the things of God and the things of scriptures, your wicked, sinful self needs to be offended at what you've done to a holy God. Our feelings must be hurt. We must understand that we've broken God's law. We must be offended at our own sin in order to be set free from that sin. We must recognize the depths of our wickedness and our depravity in order to find reconciliation with the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not be in the same room as sin. It must be eradicated. This is, it, we saw it displayed last week when we studied and looked at the, the story of Easter, the story of the resurrection, the story of Christ dying on the cross. God the Father turned His back on God the Son when He became sin on our behalf. God will not be in the same room as sin. And sin must be eradicated if we are to make peace with God. And if we make peace with sin under the appearances to just get along, we go along to get along, and we're just making peace with sin, it will be to our own destruction and our own detriment. And for some reason, the church, the pulpit, is terrified that we might offend people on major hot topic issues of the day. We are quickly neutering the, or sterilizing the pulpit in 2023 for fear that someone might not come back. And if you look through the scriptures, the prophets never were concerned with making someone mad. The prophets and those in the text, the apostles were never concerned with, oh my, they might not, they might not, they might not come back. If I say that, they may not come back. And what we've done in the the church culture is we're more concerned with these things being full than we are with the hearts of the men and women being set free. We're more concerned with our offering plates being filled than the hearts of men and women being set free from sin. If you look through the text... That never was the case with the prophets. They were not afraid to offend the crowd. They were never concerned that it might get to the point where people won't come back. They were bold in their approach on all issues when it came to sin in their day. In fact, Jesus did the same thing. Remember John chapter 6? Jesus was very bold. And then looked at the crowd of 20,000 as they left and said, Oh, wait, 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 I was just kidding. Come back, please, I need you. Did he do that? No. In fact, he didn't do that to the 20,000 that left. He looked at his 12, his inner posse, and said, if this offends you, you can leave too. You can leave too. And it's fascinating that when pastors get in the pulpit today and come to a hard topic, they attempt to soften the blow of the message by saying something like this. Well, before I get started in my sermon this morning, I just want you to know, I've got some friends that are partaking in this type of sin. If, it were, if we're talking about hot topic buttons like homosexuality or abortion, listen, I just want you to know, I know somebody that's had an abortion, so I'm, I'm not against 
you. I, I love you, but this is... Let's change the scenario. Let's just, let's just change the scenario. If we change the sin and change the scenario and set it from the pulpit, it might sound a little bit different. How about this? Before I open the scriptures this morning, I, I've got some... Listen, I don't hate men that beat their wives. In fact, I've got friends that beat their wives on a regular occasion. All of a sudden, that changes the tone, doesn't it? We'd be like, okay, wait a minute, Caleb. Are you saying that you're okay with men beating their wives? Well, no, I'm not. No, I, I'm not. Vody Bauckham is the one. I, I won't take claim for that illustration. That's a claim from Vody Bauckham. That was an illustration that Vody Bauckham pulled out, and I thought it was perfect. The moment that you change the sin, and we start to see how silly this is, that, that's... When we stand and say things like homosexuality is a sin and we will be punished by God, that's the truth. When we say that abortion is murder and it will be punished by God, it is the truth. Now, it is also the truth that if you repent of those sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. But nevertheless, those are egregious sins that God has laid out in the text that say it is wicked and will be punished by God, just like any man who beat their wife. That, just, that doesn't work. The psalmist writes here in the text that men who walk not with, who stand, who do not stand with, who do not sit with, the wicked will be truly blessed genuinely happy and furthermore the man who delights in god will find everlasting satisfaction chapter 1 verse 2 but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates both day and night the man who meditates on god's word reads it soaks in it will be full of delight and not only that he'll know the difference between what's right and what's wrong because god's word has laid out what is right and what is wrong and it's the people who don't know their bible that say oh, it doesn't matter we can have 7500 different genders you could sleep with whoever you want to sleep with you want to sterilize your kids go for it that's the people who don't know their word and there are churches this morning within a hundred mile radius of this church that are teaching that all those things are normal and good and right. God have mercy on our area. The man who meditates on God's word, who reads it, who soaks in it, who understands it, will be one who is full of delight. And the next picture that's painted in verse 3, he shows us. So we see the first text, the first verse says, this is what we're against. We're against wickedness. Don't, don't entertain wickedness. Don't allow wickedness in your life. But rather, here's what you should be doing. Blessed is the man who meditates on God's word. Here's what your life will look like if you're meditating on God's word. Verse 3, he's like a tree... He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaves do not wither. 
In all that he does, he prospers. What a beautiful illustration. What a beautiful picture of the man or woman who who roots themselves in God's word. We know, like listen, if we are rooted in God's word, the culture can't shift us. It can't say one moment, well, you know what? You, you follow after whatever you want. What, if it makes you feel good, then do it. No. If God's word says it's sin, it's sin. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. It doesn't matter what the talking heads on the drive-by media say. If God's word says it's sin, it's sin. And if God's word said we should be partaking in something, then we should be partaking in it. God's word says here, those that partake in, who meditate on, who who study, who soak up God's word, they're like a tree that's planted by a stream of water. And listen, isn't that a picture of what we're needing in 2023 here in this area? How many of we need some water? What's going on? Is there water? No, we're dry here. And what happens when there is no water? You die. Your stuff dies. But when you're planted in God's word the way you're supposed to be planted in God's word, it's like you're planted by a stream of water and you yield fruit in good season and your leaves don't wither and what you do prospers. The man who avoids the company of the wicked and soaks himself in God's word is like a tree that is properly planted and watered and as a result yields fruit as it should. That reminds me of Matthew chapter 7. Verse 17 through 20, this is Jesus talking. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. People who claim to know Christ will be exposed eventually if they just claim to know him. Genuine Christians will bear fruit, good fruit. And those who are not genuine believers in Christ will also bear fruit. Their fruit will be bad. It will be a bad fruit. But the fruit that a believer bears is going to be good fruit. This is echoed in Psalms chapter 1 verse 4 where he says, Every, the wicked are not so. So those that are in Christ, those that are planted by the stream of water are going to produce fruit. But verse 4 says, the wicked are not so. But they are like shaft. They're like chaff that is the wind drives away. The wind blows away. What's chaff? Chaff is just that leftover husk. It, it doesn't have any bearing in your life. It just is blown away easily by the wind. So the man and woman who loves Christ and pursues righteousness and loves God's word and is activated in being around other Christians, they're like a tree that is properly planted and rooted in good soil and is well watered. Listen, something else I, I, need to, I need you to hear. A believer, listen to me, a, a genuine believer in Christ will never become a non-believer. Hear me. A believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will never become a non-believer. Your faith in Christ is a permanent thing. 
You who are in Christ will remain in Christ. That is not a Baptist doctrine. That is a biblical doctrine. The scriptures teach that often. 2 John 2.19 if, if they went out from us, it was, it's to expose that they were never really with us. It's John, 2 John 2.19 But those who claim to know Christ but allow for evil and chase after wickedness are like chaff. They're going to be blown away by the heat of the wind. Verse 4 and 5 continues this explanation in Psalm 1. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, they will perish. This also takes me back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, yes, we might live in 2023 and 77% of the population are open to spirituality. But there are wicked spirits just like there are godly spirits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who are workers of iniquity or lawlessness. This is a clear declaration, ladies and gentlemen. This is a clear declaration to humanity that God's standards and rules when it comes to entering his kingdom. Just like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, in Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they thought that they could just do whatever they want. They could just walk into God's presence unannounced, uninvited. They could do whatever they want. And this is the world we live in in 2023. Oh, you can just worship any way you want. God will accept it. No, he will not. God will not accept all forms of worship. Only the worship that is authorized and is under the submission of the scriptures. Period. In fact, Nadab and Abihu thought they could get away with it and God killed them. Paul urges us in Ephesians chapter 1, Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk worthy in a manner to which you've been called. There are, there are no side entrances into the kingdom of God. And there are people that are trying to figure out sideways. I can, if I can just do this, maybe I can get in God's kingdom this way. I could, listen, I can love whoever I want to love and God's still going to accept me. I could do whatever I want and God's still going to accept me. No, he will not. God, listen to me. I know this is going to go in the face of everybody's idea in 2023. God's love is not unconditional. God's love is very conditional. You must, you can't worship any old way and just get in. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes into the Father except through me. You don't get to come into God, God's presence any old way. There's no side entrances into the kingdom of God. There's a clear way, clear standards, clear rules in order to come into his kingdom. 
There are, way, there, are, there are ways he wants us to walk. This is why Paul says this. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And if you claim to know and follow Jesus, walk like it. Act like it. This is what you're supposed to do. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. It just won't happen. It can't happen. It's very clear. Blessed is the man, happy is the man, content is the man who does not walk with the wicked. Who does not seek the counsel of the wicked. But blessed is he who what? Who meditates on God's word, meditates on the law, meditates on God's word both day and night. The man or woman who does this is going to be like a tree planted by the streams of water and that yields its fruit in due season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You want to prosper? Now, I'm not talking like prosperity gospel prosper. I'm talking, do you want to prosper spiritually? Do what God's called you to do. Be obedient to God's word. If you're here and you've done your best to make peace with sin, I'm calling you to repent. I'm calling you to pray and ask God to forgive you for, for that specific thing. For trying to make peace with sin in your own life. Repent of it and then move forward and then begin to pursue Him. Begin to pursue God. Do not partake in wickedness. Don't okay wickedness. Don't okay it. Well, people might, people might get offended. Caleb, this is not the kind of message that's going to pack the house. You're right. And guess what? That's biblical. Listen. You guys are going to get this one for free. This isn't in my notes. Like this is, this is something that I, I think that we need to, in today's church world, come to understand that it doesn't, like, me being able to articulate the message isn't the thing that saves you. Having the cool band in the room isn't the thing that's going to get the room packed out. Isn't, and listen, I could be the most boring, dry preacher on the planet. And if you've been called by God to be redeemed, you are going to be all in. Because it's not the presenter that has the power. It is the word of God that has the power. Amen? No amens on that one? All right. We, I guess we're going, going different route then. But th- this, is, this is how we need to understand that, that it does not matter. Jesus said I, in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now listen to this, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come. So it doesn't matter how boring the preacher is. If God wants you, you're coming. And verse, continue in verse 37. And whoever does come, I'll never cast them out. Now that's good news. That if you're... Your spirit is being stirred up towards the things of God and you're moving in a direction of, guess what? The, God will never, Jesus will never cast you out. He's never going to reject you. Why? 
Because all that the Father has willed will come. All that the Father has set apart will come. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Woo! Jesus said, I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose anything, that I, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but I will raise them up at the last day. God's going to raise us up who are in Christ. So how do I get in, Caleb? Glad you asked. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins, that's, this is the repentance part. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, I am sorry. We just sang it. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Uh, if you... This is where we stop making peace with sin. And we start saying, God, I want to know what you want me to do. What do you want for me to do? God, what is your desire for me? Well, your desire is that I would not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of the sinners or, or, or stand with the scoffers to hang out with these people. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be planting ourselves, being planted and grafted, infused into God's Word. And as a result of that, then your life is going to flourish. You're going to flourish. And if you have made peace with sin, repent of that. Openly say, Lord Jesus, I have made peace with sin. You know where I've made peace with sin, God. I ask that you'd forgive me for making peace. Forgive me where I've made peace with this stuff. Forgive me where I've just put my inner circle with a bunch of wicked people. Forgive me, God. Help me to be a light to those wicked people and call them to repentance and call them to trust you. And when you do that, that's when God's going to start to prosper you. God's going to start to grow you up. God's going to start to change you from one degree of glory to another. I'm calling on us here this morning to pray and ask God to forgive us. And then move towards and pursue godliness. Because when we do that, that's when we're going to be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit.